Support for this episode comes from PCG Digital. As a business owner, you want to surround yourself with people who can help you achieve your goals. When it comes to digital marketing, that's what PCG Digital does best. If you want a true partner, helping connect your message to more customers, then you need to reach out to PCG Digital. Maximize your marketing dollars with PCG Digital. Go to pcgdigital.com for more information. And don't forget to mention the You're In Charge podcast. Is automation in marketing today killing creativity? Great question. With all of the tools that we have at our disposal, all of the reporting metrics that we have, are we so down in the weeds of trying to be so precise or use technology to save time that we are losing our connection with our audience? Well, that's the question I pose today to our guest, Lisa Jenner, who is the chief revenue officer for Dealer Alchemist, a digital marketing agency in the automotive space. We talk about how automation can help us, but where we have to continue to focus on our creativity to connect to our consumer base, as well as connecting with our employees so that we deliver on that experience that we're marketing. Can't wait for you to hear this conversation. I'm so looking forward to it. I had such a great time speaking with her. So let's dive into today's episode of You're in Charge, Now What? with Lisa Jenner. All right, Lisa, so thank you so much for joining me. I'm going to dive in because you at the Digital Marketing Strategies Conference this past uh, May in Napa Valley, you're on a panel about marketing automation and what's going on in the future of automation. And, and one of the questions I thought of afterwards that I wish I had asked you on stage, so I'll ask you now, okay. is are companies or agencies getting so focused on the technology and what technology can, can do for us or, or in terms of metrics and reporting that we're losing sight of actually the creativity of marketing? I love this question because I feel like I service two sides of the brain. Um, I'm a graphic designer by trade. So I, and I was uh, started my career off in branding and marketing. And so I have this whole creative ideology. And, you know, when I see a traditional car commercial, I'm like, ah, you know, this is where we still are. Um, but at the same time, I also have this other side of my brain, which is very data oriented and very tech driven. And I think that um, the best combo is both of them. Do I think there's a heavy focus on technology right now? Yes. But I also think that it's a turn of the times. I mean, we know that with millennials coming into the buying season of mm -hmm. automotive, that they are very tech oriented and they like to buy and they have that instant gratification buying personality. So I think you have to drive with technology and just land people on where they're, where, what they're looking for these days. And I think it's going to come more and more like that. We know that uh, retention is dropping and brand loyalty is dropping as well. So um, I do think it has to be kind of tech first right now, for sure. So, so then how do you think, because I, I think I, I agree with you, but I think 
you touched on something and I'd like to dive a little deeper into that is this idea of maybe we are missing the creativity or we're just generating this very basic type of communication because we're so hyped up on, well, I, I, I want to see how this connected versus really taking time to be thoughtful about who our audience is. Because if we have the ability now to target markets and really drive a message to a specific person or type of person or buyer persona, so to speak, where is that disconnect? I mean, is, is it the demand of the agency? Is it the demand of the client? Or is it just assuming that it, it, the creativity doesn't really matter because people just want immediacy. Well, I think the, the creativity and brand recognition has just shifted so much because technology has shifted us so much. And so I think that creativity is no longer, it's family owned. Um, I think that our dealership incentives, you know, monthly payments, MSRPs, has been so overdrawn. We'll buy your, we'll buy back your vehicle. We want your trade. It's been so overdone that there's nothing unique inside of that anymore. So all of that is kind of made, I think, consumers, customers numb to those pieces of advertising. Advertising today is what are the influencers buying? Where are they spending their time? Uh, what is interesting to them? And so when I talk to dealerships, I talk to them about technology and making sure that their inventory is available to be found through Google, because we know that's the place where most people are spending their time shopping, looking, mm -hmm. at least initiating a search. And on the other side of things, man, in your local market, find out who your influencers are, you know, uh, maybe get a realtor that has a huge following to, you know, use one of your vehicles for the day. Because I think that today's generations are purchasing based on what their influences are purchasing. So I think the creativity, the idea around creativity has shifted. So you know, you say, are you saying what, what I'm hearing is, is that you're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're saying that a lot of marketing, and this could be for all, all businesses, not just automotive is, has been very transactional, short-term transactional marketing, buy this, take this, we want this, an exchange versus this longer term uh, embracing of uh, why you should buy my brand. How is this brand going to make you feel? How is this brand going to look in your driveway or on your cloud? And so that's where you're, you, what you're saying is this idea of connecting with influencers because that's what they're talking about is how it made them feel or why they're buying a product. Is that, is that, am, am I hearing you correctly? Absolutely. The, the influencer today is the emotional draw into a purchase. Mm. Whereas automotive is, has been very transactional. That's why CarMax has been so successful. Hey, no haggle. You don't have to deal with that mess. Just come in, right. do the deal. Um, and you know, that's why, I mean, Carvana, we all know what's happening there, but the idea of purchasing a vehicle without having to go into the dealership, uh, we know there's a large percent of, of individuals that are interested in purchasing their vehicles online. Um, I don't think it's the dominating effect right now, but we know how uh, that's trending. Um, and so for the emotional purchase, which we all 
do. Right. Um, I think influencers is definitely the trigger for that today. So then is your, um, that, that idea of the um, emotional purchase, right? Or, or the emotional connection to it all. And, and your example of CarMax is we're advertising the experience. It's not just buy online. It's when you come here, no hassles, no haggles, none of, no. and so that I think you're right is it's a longer term play. And a lot of times, a lot of businesses are very targeted in a short term. So it has to be transactional. I need you to purchase now. You know, how can I push everyone down the funnel further versus what you're saying is that emotional feel is really trying to grab more people to throw them in your funnel and let them work their way down on at their own pace versus trying to force every conversation to a sale. Am I correct? Yes. And I think, you know, the big conversation that is taking place today uh, alongside automation and technology is audience building. And so it's about attracting in the right audience. Um, I had a very in interesting conversation with Grace Scott and also on brand awareness with Kevin uh, Fry. And what's interesting is that the way that they've built brand awareness, for example, Grace Scott has segmented out his buying segment, buyer segments. So older individuals would receive a different type of commercial. They have different buying incentives than a younger generation would, which is he's kind of modernized that uh, branding. And so I think that's very interesting. Um, so much of the time we're just driving price. We're just driving that transactional segment. And so adhering to really understanding who your buyer profile is. So for example, when Dealer Alchemist comes into a dealership, we digest the last six months of CRM data and we segment it all out. So we really understand what the buyer profile is. We understand where they're coming from. We understand, is it primarily male or female? What are the age segments? And so technology can help drive to make sure that your inventory is visible to those individuals. And at the same time, on the brand recognition portion, leveraging different influencers, leveraging different things that would be appealing to those different audience segments is very important. So then for, for that, to, and that's a great point, is that, is that then, let me see how to put this, is that not done that often because it is take, it does take time to separate all of that out, to create all these different messages, to, to generate different campaigns for different people with different messages? And, and do you think that's why brand loyalty is dying because we're getting the wrong message? So, so I think that the, we are very conditioned and we are very programmed in our industry. So it's kind of out of the box thinking, right? The OEM gives us, generally speaking, first of the month, beginning of the month incentives. And those incentives are always price oriented, right? And so this is really thinking outside of the box. You know, we there's no incentives for uh, leveraging influencers, for example. Um, and so I think it's just, I think it's conditioned. And I think that we have to think outside of the box to build brand awareness. Now, Kevin has been building brand recognition in his market. And since 2016, he's increased, increased his brand awareness by about 10%. And he's been dedicated uh, in that effort. And it, it is, it's different segmented videos to attract for different 
audiences. So I think beginning that, I think also if you're in a small town, community-driven brand efforts, uh, grassroots, social media, uh, creative branding is really important. So yeah, I think, and, and is it killing it? I think we have to think outside of the box, you know, um, traditionally to build brand, it was like the family owned thing. It's the commercials. It's also driving price. Right. right, um, right. And there's, you know, unfortunately there's a reputation around going into a dealership and purchasing a vehicle. So what is it that you're going to do different today? So, so again, just for those of you listening and the reason why I want to keep pointing this out is because those of you who are listening to this, who might be in charge of the marketing, what we're talking about, it seems like two different thought processes, meaning long-term sort of farming, so to speak, where I'm just constantly pushing out there why you should buy what's in it for you, you know, all of that long-term versus very transactional harvesting, trying to get those people that are ready to purchase down there and choosing you. But it is that awareness at the top of that, be it emotional connection with an influencer, that long-term just messages, short messages of we're the place to buy, we're the place to buy, we'll take care of you. So that that sticks in your head. So when you're thinking of, well, where should I go purchase? For some reason, it's it's just ingrained in your head. So, so for your advice then for a marketing manager who's listening to this right now, how does one think through that? Is it, we got to think 12 months of this and short-term here? How would you map it out if, if you were laying it out? Yeah, so I think we're, we are also fo focused and conditioned also on a 30-day you know, selling cycle. Yeah. And so what I would look at, and every market is so different. And I think that's also been a contributor to the conditioning is everything is so cookie cutter, right? We have templated websites, we have templated um, programs. And so working with those and at the, at the same time, understanding who your buyer profile, are you selling to more men and women or yeah, men or women? What age brackets, <laughs> what, what age brackets are you selling into? Um, and what's your, what is your community like? You know, are you in a major metropolitan area? Are you in a smaller town? And, and breaking it down that way. You know, how do you appeal to women? What influencers can help you do that? What messages can you get out there? How do you appeal to your community? Are you participating in any type of like high school, you know, or educational support inside of the community? Um, what charity programs can you participate in? And I think really like that's the, that's the other side of really getting down into your, your grassroots branding. So in your community, and I think you do, you, you have something really smart there that I don't think a lot of people take advantage of is taking a look at what's in your community. Uh, I was just with a client recently. There's a large university there. Or there's a large hospital. They do a lot of partnerships in the community from mm -hmm. a visibility standpoint to say, we're part of this community. We're always in this community and we care about the community. It isn't just that transactional aspect. So I like how you laid that out. Um, 
and again, for all of you who are listening, who are in charge, make that list. Who's in your Who's in your town? Who are the large employers? Who are the people who have an impact? I liked your example of the realtor whose face is on, you know, all of the billboards around as that person who sells everybody the house. How could you partner with them to just get your name out there as a as someone who is a contributor into that county, that town, that area, so that you are top of mind when somebody needs your products or services. I really like that idea a lot. Yeah, and there's and then appealing to somebody for your younger audience. Maybe there's a local entertainer, up and comer. Maybe there is a local sports figure, um, and you know, exercising those relationships. Yeah, I, I think that's where a lot of people get confused because that word influencer gets thrown around a lot. And a lot of times people will think, oh, is that some kid on TikTok? They're not, how are they going to sell my car or whatever? But no, it's thinking back, I'm older than you are, so we'll go back. But if you think about it, when someone in your town, you wanted the mayor of your town to drive a car with your license plate bracket around the back. You wanted to have that person who was very well connected at a, uh, a golf course or a golf club or a country club, or just someone who owned the largest business to say, Hey, how can we leverage each other's network? So that again, folks, I don't want you to get bogged down with influencers, Instagram, and all these social media influencers. Hey, if you have one in your area, maybe it can help. Maybe it can't, but think of the people who have a large network of people that you can help each other in both of your industries. They can help you. You can help them. I think that's, so I just wanted to clarify that as well. So let me just pivot a little bit on here because for your journey, you said you started graphics and 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 moving along that route and now you've expanded how did you how do you see the change from when you started to now in terms of it get is it beginning to be more complex to be a marketer is it actually not really as complex we've confused ourselves it's really still the basic tenets of it talk to me about that because as I said, I, I keep hitting on this because you are in that position and, and you deal with a lot of people who are on the other side. They're, they're the marketer in the business. And I see a lot of confusion and being overwhelmed. And so I really want this segment to be give, to lend some clarity to those people in that position. So I think that it has actually, and the overwhelm comes from, man, it has just sped up exponentially, mm. you know? Um, there are more, uh, devices, there are more channels. Like we had MySpace, you know, back in the day. Now we've got Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram. And so I think there's just more and it's, it's, it's sped up exponentially. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that's where the overwhelm comes, but I think you can draw back into yourself and we are I mean, automotive, I tell people all the time, I'm selling into the automotive industry. These are the salespeople of the world, right? And so we get so focused in on our salesmanship and saleswomanship that uh, we forget why we buy. You know, I can't tell you how many dealers right. I've talked to and I'm like, hey, 
Have you tried finding a vehicle on your website? Have you, have you gone through the actual sales journey in your own uh, website, in your own, you know, how would, how would this persuade you to buy? And so I think if we can really separate ourselves and go, what makes me feel good? What's the last thing I bought and why? And what compelled me? You know, and then also even more deeper, like when was the last time I made an impulsive purchase? What compelled me to do that? When was the last time I was drawn to a personality that I saw maybe on social media? What compelled me to be interested in them? And taking those those things that that uh, influence us and and encourage us to buy and leveraging some of those as well. No, and I think that's a great exercise. And for those of you listening, I, I, I've said this to you know, people, my clients as well. But I think it's a really smart thing. We sometimes get so focused in on our own business or our own day to day, we forget we're consumers. And if you do an exercise to your for yourself to say, why do I purchase? What did they do? You know, I always talk about actions, how they make you feel. So, you know, if if I came to uh, wherever you're located now, I know you're traveling a little bit now, but if I came to your hometown, and you said, I'm going to take you out to a restaurant. There's a reason you chose that restaurant. Yes, maybe the food is a certain quality, but I will guarantee you it's the way you make that, that they make you feel. And you're excited to share that experience with me. So now you take that lesson to take a step back and say, well, what did they do? And could we do some of that in our business? Is there some, it may not be a one-to-one match, but you could be able to, or on the flip side, what didn't I like? And are we doing that? I think that's a great, great lesson here. And a great tip for everyone is shop on your own website, but more importantly, make sure you're looking outside of the industry, because if we're only looking at the industry we're in, we're only going to learn from our industry and we're never really going to grow. I think listening to, I mean, how often do we receive a customer at the dealership? We shuffle them right through the salesperson. We show them the vehicles and all, you know, the, 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 the priority is let's hurry up and get the deal done. Right. But let's talk to our customers and ask them, how did you find out about us? What compelled you to buy from us? You know, um, and you're going to find out a lot of information there. And, and, you know, if I would love to walk into a dealership and see a meeting that was talking about why customers were buying from their dealerships, you know, I think that'd be awesome. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of dealers that are doing that. They have that in there, but you're right. If everyone who's engaging with the customer is thinking about that, right, at every step, then everybody is getting information versus, well, no, my job is only to sell, or my job is to do follow-up calls, or my job is this. And it becomes this siloed approach to the consumer versus all of us at different touch points are delivering this experience. I think too, um, the outside perception of walking into a store is, oh, they want to get something from me, you know? And there's that saying, I don't want to be sold to, right? I mean, I know, and Lori uh, can probably relate to this too, but um when you walk into a store and you don't really feel like talking into anybody, you know, and you just want to walk in and kind of browse and get your thing. It's a very different type of transactional feeling uh, versus like really wanting to engage with somebody at the dealership level as well. Well, I think to your point, that's that whole, you know, really being aware or confident that 
even if they don't want to buy today, if I give them a good experience, they'll come back in the future, right? But if only I'm only worried about that sale today, well, even if I get the sale, I could lose a long-term customer, right? Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes to, to your point, which I think ties into everything we've been talking about so far today is this idea of transactional versus long-term value of a customer, right? Which is more important to me. And then I'm going to design my experience. I'm going to design my marketing around that. I'm going to execute on that, that I want you to be a customer for life. I'd like you to come back. There's other things you can do to interact with me or just recommend me to someone else versus I got that one sale and then I'm done. I think that's, that's a big problem with marketing and customer service uh, in today's marketplace. Even in the environment today, it's, it's, you know, grosses are bigger than they've ever been. And so um, we, re we, we recently went through a, a buying a vehicle. Uh, my partner, Jonathan, was looking for a truck. And it was a very interesting experience being on that side of things. You know, generally, I can just call uh, one of my customers, but this particular truck was very difficult to find. And you know, it was not the warm and fuzzy feeling. It was, hey, if you're not going to be here today, like I already have a buyer for this. So, you know, are you going to show or not? And so I think just taking that minute to slow down and, you know, making the customer feel like you're going to help them. You know, there's a brand right there. Hey, we're going to help you no matter what. We're going to try to make the effort to find this vehicle for you. And it is just slowing down a little bit. Yeah, I think that that ties into everything uh, that we've been talking about, especially thinking through the marketing, right? Because again, if all we're doing is putting out transactional short term sell today types of marketing, even if you deliver on that, so it does connect the marketing that you're putting out is going to be the experience they get. I think I don't I, I, I don't think people want to go back to that type of environment unless they have to, right? So to your point, if you're the only one that has X and you, well, then you can give me a horrible experience because I need that. But in today's marketplace, there are so many options to buy, to engage with so many different businesses. We want to go to the ones that make us feel that one, they make it easy for us to do business with them in whatever way, shape, or form that is, and they treat me with respect, and they care about myself, and they care about my experience with them. Um, I think that's why we go back, or at least give you a second chance, or a third chance, or a fourth chance to do business. Um, I think that's really important. And as I said, we, we, we've gotten down into the customer experience side, and I think that's truly important. But then I will challenge you to say, are you marketing that? Because if that's really important to you, do your customers even know that that's important to you? And, and I think that's a big uh, thing that's missing in a lot of marketing today, because again, it's not something I can draw a direct correlation to, you know, I can't crank up my automation to say, oh, that message drove this because it could mm -hmm. be a higher funnel type of marketing. Mm -hmm. I agree. So um, let's move into one more topic as we move along here. 
Sure. So as you said, you've jumped into different positions. And one of the things we always talk about here is leading teams and helping really get people on board. So for you and your experience leading teams, what is one of the biggest lessons that you've learned? So if someone's sitting here today saying, I'm new to leading teams, I'm, I'm in charge of it, or I'm in charge of a, product, a project, and I have to work with people younger than me, older than me, less experienced, more experienced than me. What's one piece of advice to that you would give out to someone in that leadership chair that would help them win the team over and move that project forward? That's a big question. Um, so I think for, in my ex personal experience, there's two parts to this question for me. One is leading a, a team in general. And what I've learned is it's okay to meet people where they are, you know, and that, through communication, uh, different people respond and communicate to different things. And mm -hmm. so I think listening is just an incredible art. One year, I made it my mission. My It was actually my New Year's resolution to be the best listener that I could be, which meant not cutting anybody off, not, you know, not interrupting them. Uh, and it's hard as a salesperson, you want to just hurry up and like tell them all the things that are great, right? Um, or you feel like you know what they're already going to say and you've got the answer to their question. That year, I learned so much about people, you know, because you have to be really, really present to be a great listener. And so I think listening is an incredible way to lead people. You're going to uh, create an environment where they're comfortable to share more. And, you know, I think, I mean, that's that's been a big component for myself and then meeting people where they are as well. Um, as a type A executive in this industry, I've worked really hard. I have really high expectations and standards for myself. And that definitely spills over into working with other individuals. Um, and so recognizing that and just knowing when, um, you know, it might be out of reach maybe in that moment, but how can I also participate and work with them together to help them achieve, you know, greater things or projects, um, deadlines and things like that. So always be willing as a leader to get in there and roll my sleeves up and work right alongside with them. The other part of this is a female, being a female leader. Um, I came into this industry uh, very green with no sales experience and no automotive experience like many. And so I really mirrored this masculine energy and was very like much a driver. And so I think for women that are leaders too, is embracing your femininity and not needing to mirror that masculine energy um, and creating a soft place of communication as well is totally okay. So I like that. I like, that. Yeah. I like, well, there was a couple things in there and I want to make sure we point those out. One is that idea of listening. So when you said you learned a lot about other people, what did you learn about yourself when you, your focus was listening? Was it that you didn't want to listen or you were always rushing? What, what, what did you learn or where was the pivot where you finally stopped yourself and allowed yourself to listen? It was always, I think in the past, there's listening and there's hearing, right? You can be mm -hmm. listening, but you're not really absorbing and hearing. Um, and so really being present and slowing down and not thinking about what I was going to say next, you know, or uh, trying to problem solve ahead of where we were and just slowing down and being absolutely present with, with individuals 
And it helped me a lot across the board, you know, and you know, Glenn, as you develop relationships in this industry and relationships are so important, um, you, you sometimes take off your salesperson hat, your executive hat, your leader hat, and you're like, oh, I'm in the therapist chair. So, you know, and that builds rapport and that builds relationships. And I genuinely, genuinely care about people. I genuinely help about, I genuinely help. I genuinely love helping people. Um, I love connecting people. And so when I was able to just not be trying to think ahead all the time, I was able to be really present with them and, and help more people, which is really my driving purpose. Great, great. Now you also mentioned something and I, it's a funny thing. I usually don't like talking about it because I feel like I should, shouldn't have to point it out, but you pointed it out so I can say it. The idea of being a woman in this, you know, woman leader. And I think more and more people are getting past that concept. Lynn, you're just saying, well, Lisa, you're a leader. It's not, you're a woman leader and not Glenn, you're a man leader, you know, male leader. Um, and I hope we continue to go down that road where people are judged on their merits and not the rest of all of those classifications. But since you did say, and, and I, and I wanted to, again, to touch on that because there is that oblig, I don't know if it's an obligation or you think about it is that, well, I'm going to be in a, in an arena with mostly men in the beginning. And, and you mentioned that I adopted a male sensibility or male characteristics or, or thoughts or something along those ways. But then uh, somewhere you evolved and you said, well, wait a minute, that's, that's not really the real me. And I allowed myself to be more me, which I don't like the word soft, but I know what you were saying, meaning that it's, I don't have to, I can listen a completely different way. I can communicate completely different way. I can generate results a different way, just as you could line five, six, 10 men up and they're going to deliver it in a different way. So where do you, do, do you feel that it's getting better? Do you feel that more and more people could care less? They're not looking at you. They're just looking at you as Lisa, can you get me my results? And I could care less. Um, yes. And no, um, I think that there's still, so when I first came in, I definitely felt like, oh, I need to be one of the guys, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, they teach you in sales to mirror who you're selling to. And so I did a lot of mirroring. Um, I did a lot of mirroring in my communication style. Now, what's interesting though, is sometimes when I'm, when the past, when I was mirroring a very masculine communication style, and maybe it was when I had a difference of opinion or an opposing, yeah, opposing perspective that was not always received well. And so that's kind of when I started learning, okay, um, you know, how do I truly feel about this situation and how can I truly express what I'm feeling and make it non-confrontational? And I think that there is like this disposition of, we don't want to have these conversations because we don't want to offend anybody. And I'm like, why? We need to be having these conversations. This is how we learn. This is how we learn from each other. This is how we make it more accepted and more of the norm. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I wrote about this recently because I felt like I had this like great tool set that I had developed over the last 18 years of being in this industry and, um, was met with 
hey, your tool set just got like sent to outer space and you're going to have to retool. And so I did a lot of contemplation and a lot of introspection and just came down to like the best thing about me is just who I am as a person. You know, I don't need to try to be somebody else. I don't need to try to be this big, bad, you know, leader. Like it's not um, when I feel uh, like I have a difference of opinion. Like I don't have to defend myself just because I'm a female and I don't have to feel like I'm back against a wall. I can actually just say, Hey, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I think. This is why I think this would be better. And I can soften in my approach to that because that's truly my personality too, is to, you know, communicate in a style that is comfortable because I think just goes back to being a good listener and, um, really getting all the information that you can and anybody when anybody's communicating if it's you know too hard or too strong or too masculine you know sometimes people just shut down you know and so um yeah it's been an incredible it's been an incredible experience and people are able to relax and feel reassured and once they know that you're going to get the job done um it's just it propels a much longer working relationship. And right. in this industry, we know too, there are people with big personalities. We're, you know, we're, we're dealing with leaders that have really worked their ways up. They have, they're very type A driven, hardworking, no BS personalities. And sometimes those personalities can come in really strong. But that doesn't mean that we have to meet them there. You know, we can. No, I, I agree. And I think one of the things that you said, which was really interesting, and, and again, I like to make sure people heard that, was when you said, you know, if I'm voicing my opinion, I don't want to offend anyone. Well, I don't think anyone really wants to go out of their, well, I'm sure there are people who, who that is their style of communication is to intimidate you and, and make you feel uncomfortable. And, and so they win. But I think that most people, when you're voicing your opinion, just because you have a contrary viewpoint or you're taking an, a, a differing uh, view doesn't mean that you're offending the other person, right? We're talking about something else. This isn't a judgment on you. Now, if, you're, if you're, your word track or, or what you're saying starts to focus on the individual uh, in, in negative ways, well, that's a separate conversation. But if we're just debating marketing strategies, you know, why would you, that, that shouldn't offend anyone. It usually offends people is when it starts to spin in where I, I, I'm making you feel like you're less, right? Through my wording or tone of my voice, condescension, that becomes about the person. It's not becoming about the viewpoint. And I want to point that out to everyone is that, especially as a leader, when you're coaching and developing people, you have to be very careful that you're focusing on the actions and the results. And, you know, it's almost as if, you know, for those of you who are listening, if Lisa and I turned our head sideways and we're looking at something, uh, we're both looking at it. It has nothing to do with us as individuals, but when you start coaching people and you start using the words, you know, you're not trying or you're lazy or this, that starts get, that's where the offensiveness comes in. And I don't care if you're a male, female, whatever, those types of words, because I've seen it male to male, where it becomes this 
I start talking about your self-worth. I'm not talking about your actions. I'm not talking about the results we generated and really diving into what actions cause those, uh, those results. And we have to work on that, but that has nothing to do with you as a person. And so I, I applaud that. And the more that you can come into yourself to say, this is who I am, this is the way it is, you know, take it or leave it. That's a maturity. And for some people, it takes a while. For me, it took a while because I was always aware of wanting to please people or just wanted them to like me or make sure that they didn't hate me. Whether they liked me or not, I just didn't want them to hate me. And, and that's a tough journey during your 20s and 30s where you're trying to work and get your ground. And then you finally wake up one day and you just go, if they're pushing on me that hard, they're probably insecure. They're hiding something. You're there struggling with something and they're just taking it out on you. So I, I really like what you just said. I think that's really important uh, to get to that end point. It probably wasn't an easy journey, but I, th I would assume it's more uh, fruitful for you at this point in your, in your journey. Yeah. And I think, you know, I am very passionate about what I do. I feel very strongly. I mean, my, you know, hashtag and, and, and my purpose is hashtag radical truth. And so, I mean, that's, that's a pretty strong statement, radical truth, right? And so I think a lot of times too, like we are that driving personality and then we're super passionate and sometimes caught in that energy, it can come off really like forceful or like, this is how it needs to be. Mm -hmm. And another practice that I've really, really uh, has really helped a lot too is repeating back what you hear. So the other person might say something and you say, okay, so what I heard was da, 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 da. And they might say, no, that's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is, and they may reframe it for you and you can reframe it for them. So really, you know, doing that, then you guys start getting on the same page and kind of getting down to the bottom line. But yeah, if you're like, I don't understand why we can't get this done, you know, versus how can I help you? Where do you feel like you might be blocked? And then they say, well, this is what I'm feeling blocked because da, da da Okay, so what I'm hearing is you're feeling blocked because da-da-da-da. Here's how I think I can help you. Right. You I know. know. I think that's a great... He's going to shoot through the roof. <laughs> no, but I think that's a great approach because we're afraid to repeat back to someone. We'll, we'll say, and sometimes you have to ask the person, right? So as a coach or a leader, sometimes you'll have to say, Lisa, repeat back to me what you heard me just tell you do. And sometimes people will say, I can't say that that's offensive. But if you've done it in a way, or you've explained to them, I'm going to ask you sometimes because I just want to make sure because I either saw you just nod to me and I'm going, I'm not sure she, to your point earlier, Lisa, listen to me. I don't think she really understood or heard what I want. So let me ask her, Lisa, what did you hear? And they might say, I said, A, B, C, D, and you go A, B, C, E. And we're like, whoa, I think that just saves time and frustration down the road. If we take time, slow down, make sure that we are communicating, making sure that we are putting people in a position to succeed by taking the time to speak clearly, actionable, ask questions so that when we separate and go our separate ways, we feel, I feel as the leader, Lisa's got it. She's going to take care of it. And you walk away going, I got it. I know exactly what we need to do. I think that's really, really important. So, and it really is about just connecting. I mean, you're taking the time mm -hmm. to connect with 
the people that you're leading. And if we carry this back to the beginning of our conversation and branding and marketing, it is, it's about how are you connecting with people? You know, are we going to connect with people as a commodity with a monthly price? Uh, you well, know, you that, but, but, but to your point is if that's what it is, okay, then own it but understand the results of that. You right. can't turn around and say, well, I want to be this, but that's not what you're advertising or that's not what you're delivering when you're talking to the customers or, or your team. You're, or you could be marketing one thing and you're not delivering on it. So again, everything really has to connect. Um, so, so listen, I could spend tons of time. I love chatting <laughs> about this. This is a lot of fun. Time just flies when you're going here. So um, at the end of every show, I ask, a few questions. I call them the five and there's one answer, meaning just whatever comes to the top of your head. Okay. Uh, so don't overthink them. So first <laughs> one is, first one is, um, I like asking this question. So I have a 17 year old. So 16, 17 was a very transitional time for a lot of people. So that 10th, 11th grade, if you go back to 10th, 11th grade, Lisa, and you look at her and you look at yourself now, two-part question. Number one, what is a similar characteristic that's always still there, always was there, still there? Second one is, what's different? If the 16-year-old saw Lisa now, what would be surprising to that 16-year-old? Well, I grew up in a very small town in the middle of West Texas, where the nearest city is two and a half hours away. Walmart was an hour away. So, there's a lot of differences. I went from there and, and moved to Houston and was in Houston for 20 years. So 16, the one similarity is um, humor. I mean, I was voted most humorous of Alpine High School two years in a row. My mom's like, class clown, like, why can't you be, you know, Miss AHS? And uh, so I still love humor. I like to make light of things. I'm optimistic. That is one component that absolutely is still there. Um, uh, there's definitely probably some, uh, you know, just wanting people to feel good and, and everybody to be happy. You know, there's still a lot of that. Um, and then the difference is like, I didn't know this whole world existed. I mean, I've had automotive has provided a lifestyle for me where I went from, you know, being dead broke, actually, when I entered into the business to having this phenomenal lifestyle. I, my brother and I were the first of our immediate family to travel to Europe together, you know, and so and he's also an entrepreneur, which is really cool. But um, yeah, I would say life experience, I, I, I'm living a life that I didn't even have the perspective to dream of at that time. I love that. Love that. Love that. Okay. So now you mentioned uh, travel. So where's a place on the list that you want to travel to that you haven't traveled to yet? I would love to do Bali someday. I haven't done Bali yet. I'd love to do Italy, you know, and the Amalfi coast is definitely at the top of the list. Mm. Yeah. All yeah. right. We like those. Um, yeah. <laughs> We like those. Okay. Something that you're reading, listening to, or watching that is inspiring you that you would want to share with others. Oh, this is a very interesting question. So I am always reading about, I'm always reading some type of self-development book. Um, my friend, Sarah, uh, Holly has written a book called Conscious Leadership, which is very mm -hmm. inspiring to me. Um, she has a company called Grow Motley, 
and they uh, they are they find job positions for people all over the world that are working remotely. And so I'm very fascinated by the business model and what they're doing there. And then she has this conscious leadership is that is everybody's inclusive. So um, she has her executive leadership meetings um, and board meetings and anyone from her team is invited down to the receptionist. So oh it's God. completely open. She said, man, it's just really um, made everything absolutely transparent and honest. And so I'm just fascinated by that. I'm also reading another book, which is about uh, the lost transcripts of Mary Magdalene, which is fascinating. Oh, there you go. That's a good one. Um, <laughs> if I put, took all of your close friends and family, mm -hmm. put them in a room and said, describe Lisa in one word, what's the word they would use to describe you? Well, I know my mom would say that I'm complex, which I used to be like, that is so rude, but I see what she's saying today. And it's, it's one of those things where you're like parents. And then like, I'm like, oh, shit, I am my parents, <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, I think that I am a very curious individual. I like to know a lot about a lot of different things. Um, I love squeezing experience out of life. And so I think they would say, um, I think they would talk about, I hope they would say I'm smart and successful, but also funny and very caring. And I have a lot of friends that talk about, uh, this nurturing energy that I have. And so I'm also an artist. So I think they would say I'm very creative. Um, so yeah, I think those are some of the things you get. That's a lot of words. <laughs> complex. <laughs> That's why the complex. Um, That's right. All right. Last one. And again, I want to thank you for taking time. This is a lot of fun. If there was one thing out of our whole conversation that you would hope the listeners took away, what would that one message be? To be present with your people, whether it's your employees or whether it's your customers, even being present in the idea of how you might attract in through your branding. It's all about being present being a good listener. But um, I think that's something that with technology and instant gratification and social media, uh, it's it's becoming less and less of a thing. Mm -hmm. And so really taking the time to be present. Great. I love that. Yeah. Well, listen, thank you so much, Lisa, for being here. This was yeah. a great conversation. I hope people, I hope you will listen to this over and over again. There's so much great information here. How can people connect with you? Where can they find you on social media? Where can they find your company? And where to, can they uh, reach out to you if they want to chat yeah. with you further? Um, my LinkedIn is a great place to connect with me. And my last name is Jenner, but it's spelled funky. It's G-E-N-E-R. Um, you can also, like, I'm happy to give out my cell phone, hit me up, text me 832-594-7583. And then my email is lisa.jenner at dealeralchemist.com. There it is. So please there connect. I'm sure. Please connect. Yeah, you will. She will, she will help you chat with you, talk with you. She's a great person. I'm glad we've had a chance to connect and, uh, um, I'm just 
very happy for you. You 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 do bring a great energy out, and you do have that nurturing nature, and it is that combination of passion and caring, and 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 that's a really great combination. So, audience, you know the drill. Please make sure that you share this out. I'm sure that there's someone in your network that could benefit from the conversation that we just had with Lisa. Please make sure you rate the podcast, uh, subscribe to the podcast. That just helps us grow. You know where to find it anywhere on uh, the any of the social platforms that, that you can find your podcast. Also over on YouTube, you can watch uh, our conversation as well. So if you want to see our charming faces, you can see that as well. <laughs> as I say, at the end of every episode, you're in charge. But whenever you hit that wall and you say to yourself, now what? Now what do I do? Well, we're going to be here every single week with great conversations like we have with Lisa to help you become the leader you want to be. Thank you so much. It means a lot that you spent some time with us today. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thanks again, Lisa. I look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks.